Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. The gangplank jerked and bounced under the descending feet of the jubilant men. When they reached the firm surface of the wharf, some of them knelt and kissed the solid surface and were shouted at by those who were crowded back up the ramp behind them. Jack stepped off and to the side and glanced along the rows of urgent waiting faces. No one looked back at him, and he didn't search, just swung his bag to his shoulder and walked the length of the quay to the exit. At the gate, he saw Shand swallowed into the embrace of his parents and an elegant girl whom Jack just recognised as the lanky sister who had cried on them at the train station. Good luck, mate. Jack slapped him on the back and kept walking. But Shand came after him and grabbed and shook his hand and made him promise to keep in touch no matter what. Servicemen clogged the street, lumbering like yoked oxen between the women and children who clung to their sides and hung on their arms. The ground felt spongy under him, and he kept his feet apart and placed them down with care. From the window of a passing tramcar, two grinning little boys with plastered-down hair stuck their hands out and waved at him. He saluted in return, and the woman who held them up at the window smiled at him too, and he thought they must be heading down to find the boy's father at the wharf. A jab of childish envy shamed him. He had not even told his own father he was arriving. On the way up to his home it rained, cool spikes driving into the bare skin of his hands and face. But by the time he reached the front gate, the sky had cleared again. Mr Jack! Sarah reached out to take his bag and hat. We weren't expecting you today. She blushed when he put his arms around her and kissed her. And nothing but cold corned beef for dinner. I don't care, he said. I could eat the furniture. The house smelt damp and stuffy. Where's mother? In the garden, the housekeeper hesitated, one hand on the door to the kitchen. Just call out to her, won't you? Before you go down, I mean. Feathers of steam rose from the sodden planks of the veranda. Magnolia petals were spread-eagled like pale corpses across the dark wood. Jack stepped over them and leaned out on the railing. From the ravine, the sweet, peaty scent of drenched manuka and beech rose up to encircle the house. A bellbird struck three sudden notes into the afternoon. He called out to his mother. She jumped half a foot into the air and clear liquid sloshed from the glass in her hand onto her neatly fanned skirt. My dear boy! She jumped up from the lounger and ran barefoot across the grass and pressed her face into his neck. My only boy! Her cheek smelt faintly of cologne. Maybe it was gin. Jack could feel her shuddering. 
He patted her back and stepped away to retrieve her shoes. It was too soon to talk about Terence. Better put these on, he said. The grass is wet. He stooped and picked up the fallen glass. Tiny lozenges of ice glistened in the grass where it had come to rest. Still the warrior? Her laugh was wry, but she slid her feet into her shoes and put her hand through his arm as they walked up the stairs and into the sudden darkness of the interior. She led Jack through the rooms of the ground floor as if he were a guest, her heels clacking briefly on the polished floors that ran like deep brown rivers between the carpets. He sat across from her in the parlour and watched her thin fingers wrap and unwrap themselves around her wrists. Behind her, in the dining room, the gleaming mahogany table was laid for two. The best silver, the crystal glasses. Friday night. Always starting beautiful, always ending ugly. On the pale green papered wall behind the table, he made out the faint cloud of a stain where two years ago, though not on a Friday, a bowl had struck the wall and the vinaigrette had dribbled down to meet the scattered lettuce leaves and shattered china on the floor below. He'll be so happy, his mother said, to see you again. It won't last. Jack saw his mother's face sag and bit his tongue that could never shape words into lies. He waited for her to speak, to ask him something, anything about the voyage, the food, the war. But she sat there, courteous but unencouraging, as if he were some unexpected caller she wished to be rid of before dinner. Shall I serve now, ma'am? Sarah placed a plate between silverware on one side of the long table. Or will you wait for Mr Sullivan? We'll wait. Jack's mother crossed to the sideboard and lifted a decanter from its cradle. Come along, darling. Let's raise a glass to peace. Pretty soon, too soon, Jack felt he had never been away. Excusing himself to wash up, he slipped upstairs into Terence's room and sat for a few still moments on the corner of the neatly made bed. A yellow shaft of evening sun entered a breach in the drawn curtains and divided the room, and behind the dancing motes of dust, the rows of his dead brother's books formed a faded regiment along the shelves. Jack had never understood why Terence kept them all. You've read them, he would protest. You don't need them again. They're friends, Terence always replied. They still have something to give. He'd been wrong about that. The books offer him nothing now. All that scholarship and gentle ambition lay dead in a spray of bullets and a morass of mud and wire. The bravest man Jack knew, executed as a coward. Jack felt the grief and anger rise like bile in his gut and took several gulps of air. He should never have touched the gin. The front door banged shut and the floor under Jack's feet vibrated. He shot upright and made for the door. But on his way out, he reached and pulled a book from the shelf. Didn't look at the title, just picked one small enough to slide into his pocket and went back downstairs two steps at a time. At the entrance to the dining room, he slowed his steps. His father was at the sideboard, soda siphon in hand. Well, son... His father's hand was cold, thinner than he remembered. Found your way home, then. Jack nodded. He couldn't speak. The ghost of Terence lay around them like a fog. They didn't know how to proceed. 
In an awkward half-circle around the sideboard they stood, swirling the ice in their glasses while Sarah lay platters of sliced meat and salads in a neat line down the centre of the table. Oh, for goodness sake, Jack's mother spoke suddenly, sharply. Let's sit down. I don't know what we're waiting for. Her chair scraped as she pulled it in, and she shook out her napkin like she was clearing the dust from a rag. When her husband cleared his throat, she didn't even glance at him. The food looked better than anything Jack could remember. He had to fight his hands away from the cutlery until grace was said. He looked up to see Sarah beaming at him as he scooped mustard from his plate onto a hefty fork full of meat. Still the best beef in town, he said to her with a grin. His mother frowned, pursed her wine-dark lips, and Jack recalled that during dinner service they didn't converse with Sarah. He stifled a laugh. It was ludicrous that such conventions could still be considered when all else that had been civilised had crumbled into nothingness. It dawned on him that his parents were too far away, that everyone who had stayed home in this country was. Their beloved son had been lost, of course, but they'd had no idea how. They had no notion of the hugeness and the horror of the thing that had engulfed the world beyond the blue water's other edge. His father asked him all the questions his mother hadn't, bombarded him with queries about docks and divisions and commanders, which Jack tried at first to answer. He found himself corrected again and again, his own memories no match for the barrage of facts and figures his father recited from the more trustworthy sources of the newsreels and papers. Eventually he surrendered, shaking his head in mute ignorance. It was simpler to know nothing than to be proved wrong. When dessert had arrived along with the brandy bottle, the old man loosened his tie. "'What's the plan then, Jacko?' One pinstriped blue trouser leg extended from under the table edge. "'What's next?' Jack swallowed. He forced himself to speak slowly. In his head he had rehearsed this a dozen times. "'I was thinking,' he said, "'about a farm.' "'A farm?' his father guffawed, took a swig of brandy and made a great show of choking on it. "'Did the gas get you, boy? What in the hell do you know about farming?' I can learn. Jack tried to keep himself centred, quiet. There's still money to be made in sheep. His father shook his head in sorrow, and it was worse than his laughter. You might as well try ostriches. And where the hell's the land coming from? The government, Jack continued doggedly. They're running land ballots for returned servicemen. If I won one, I could have a go. Have a go? His father slapped his hand on his knee. You wouldn't last a week. I'm amazed you made it back from the war. He was winding up now, gaining momentum, his face glowing red as the expanse of candlelit mahogany between them. That's enough, Matthew. Jack's mother pushed her chair back, her linen napkin twisted in her fingers. It's all over now. The boys did their duty. They did the best they could. Which wasn't much, eh? Again his father laughed, an ugly, raucous sound that balled Jack's fists on his vibrating knees. Not now, Jack's case. All over, wasn't it? By the time you joined in, he slewed in his chair and squinted at the framed face of Terence on the mantelpiece. Bloody typical, really. Terence leads the way, you follow at a safe distance. He turned back to Jack, his mouth contorted in a sneer. Little chicken. 
Jack lunged, got a handful of shirt as his father shoved himself back from the table. He hauled on the fabric, twisted the collar, latched onto the scrawny neck. Between them, china and glass wobbled and slid and shattered. Jack was quickened by rage, the current running inside him. He felt the sweat slide like blood between their two foreheads and breathed in the stink of his father's gaping mouth. A solid shock of water hit the side of his head. The pain of it entering his ear brought him back into the room. His mother was swinging the cut crystal water pitcher as if about to hurl it across a void. Jack released his grip on his father and grabbed at the swaying figure and jug. His mother's body was rigid in his hands. He sat her in a chair and she stayed there, bolt upright, and let him take the pitcher from her curled fingers. Get out of here, his father rasped. Get the hell out of this house. He slumped back into his chair and closed his eyes. Two dark wheels curved into the hairline at the base of his neck. Jack walked into the hall without looking back. He felt a faint, horrible sense of victory. They had never reached this point before. His fear was gone. Another war was over. Jack! His mother was stumbling behind him down the stairs. Come back. He'll get better. We'll all get better. She grabbed at Jack's elbow. Even the worst things can be forgotten. Not by me. Jack swung his bag to his shoulder. Leave it, Mum. You can't fix everything. He kissed her and felt her shoulder bones sharp inside the shiny fabric of her dress. Go inside. You're cold. She watched him descend the drive, but when he waved from the gate, she didn't move. Just stood there in the dark doorway, as still and white as a candle. Jack didn't even stop for a newspaper on his way to the wharf. He had enough to read, and he knew enough about the world the way it was. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.